Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Yo. Yo. Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we bout to party. We bout to party. Unrestricted. Got the house now. We gon' turn it up. Welcome, everybody, to another edition, episode of AEW Unrestricted, the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling, which, as always, is sponsored by AEW Game. AEW Casino! That's right. AEW Casino, and we, uh, of course, let our video games experts and boss... The person running our video games, Aubrey Edwards, take it from here. <laughs> I actually had a had a message today from her games team, like, "Hey, we're doing an event. What do you want your title to be?" I'm like, oh, "I'll put Boss Lady today. I don't know." <laughs> anyway, AEW Casino available now on iOS and Android. You can jump in, play up to twelve different casino games. We've got a bunch of AEW people playing, so you might see us at a poker table. Check it out now. Uh, speaking of checking out now, this is a great podcast. I'm excited we're doing this. We've got Mr. Charlie here today. How are you, buddy? Hello, I'm doing great. Uh, Charlie Ramone, who is uh, the lead singer of the Ramones. Oh, I wish. I yeah, wish. Yeah. <laughs> you heard him on Blitzkrieg Pop. Charlie, it, it, it's really great to have you with us. You are the current BTE champion as we record this. I'm, unfortunately... I'm no longer. You're no longer. There's been a title switch. There's been a title switch. Yes. Okay. Yes. Didn't you lose it to Brandon Cutler in a table hockey tournament? I did. I did. I didn't announce that I had retired just prior. I think I was very nervous going into that room. And I just didn't, I didn't want to say anything. But I had actually retired, so I didn't lose it technically. It was vacated. Vacated? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're kind of like uh, the great boxer Rocky Marciano. Never lost, just retired as champ. That's right. You're absolutely correct. What did it mean to you to become the champion, though? This is actually very sad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that belt uh, sat on display in my living room. Uh, I took it everywhere I went. So if I went to the gym, I actually packed it up, brought it with me in case anybody wanted to take a picture with it. Literally everywhere. If I went on vacation or if I went uh, back down to Tampa or anything, it was with me. I cleaned that belt. I took care of that. I babied that belt. And that's why it's such a sad, sad thing that I that I lost it. I mean, like a true champion, you got to travel with the belt everywhere. So You're right. Sammy Vogg is here in California with me right now. It's been it's been at all our appearances. It's been at every skate park we've gone to. It'll be out there today. So so I think we're we haven't touched on the elephant in the room yet, but what the hell do you do at AEW? my favorite question i actually have a job title I, I try to do absolutely everything i can i'm a special projects manager which your cinematic matches anything that happens outside the ring that's essentially what i'm i'm in charge of so 
doing all the coordination with that and kind of helping everything run smoothly. So getting guests in, helping set up everything, uh, getting locations locked down, that type of stuff is what I do. I love the security aspect. I love the props aspect. I love the artistic aspect. So I can't let any of that other stuff go. I even love getting monsters from Mr. Shivani. Thank you very much. And you, you, you're so good at that. You really are. Yes. Yes. That's the only thing I'm good at. I, I'd never ask for you to do this, but you took it upon yourself to do it, and it means a lot. It does. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> By the way, uh, when you came to AEW, how did that all start? So just to give you a brief history, I'd been a police officer prior to AEW. And with policing going the way it had been, mm-hmm. I didn't see a good or a bright future in it. Discussing things with the department, I left and I went to Cody promptly uh, the next day. And I said, how do I get back into rest? And he said, go meet with QT. It's going to be a long road and get back in the ring, learn what to do. And you know, hopefully uh, the best happens. Wish me the best of luck. And that was it. I went with QT, stayed in touch with Cody. And eventually it came down to Tony Khan needing a prop. AEW had just been formed. And Tony Khan needed a specific prop made. And I was the only person available. I just knocked it right out. They appreciated my work. And then I never left. It's like that stray cat you feed. I just showed up every week. <laughs> what was the prop? Well, the prop was the now infamous Sean Spears chair. Mm. That one was supposed to be an unprotected chair shot for the head. So therefore, I, I wanted to make sure the chair could be uh, you know, safely used. Yeah, and it wasn't. Yes, as Tony said, pilot error. <laughs> pilot error. <laughs> that wasn't Charlie's fault, though. <laughs> I think Cody's addressed on a previous podcast. He's He told Sean to swing for the fences. So Yep. Yeah, he did. You are absolved of guilt, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. A little bit of an interesting story. Sean walks up to me and Mox, who are hanging out near go position, and and he says, can I see the chair one more time? I said, absolutely. And the way he swung it didn't look right to me and Mox. And we said, What's, what are you doing with that chair? He says, I don't really do this too often. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> so Mox gave him a crash course. <laughs> Got to hit him this way. So it was, it was good. He went out there. He tried. Mm. And luckily, everybody survived. So, so, Charlie, you mentioned back into wrestling. You obviously had done some wrestling. And so how did you know Cody? Cody was, um, while policing, we got a lot of overtime and you, you could elect to either have extra pay or extra days off. Okay. And I would elect for the extra days off and I would go to every wrestling event that I could. So Long Beach, uh, 2017, New Japan, uh, any Ring of Honor over at Center Stage in Atlanta, any of those events I would always try and go to. I would always see Cody at his meet and greet. So promptly after he left WWE, I had gone to a meet and greet, met Cody, had a nice conversation with him. After that, I saw him again and again and again. He always remembered me. So then we'd always go up and just shoot the breeze for a bit. And eventually that, that developed into a little bit of a friendship. He'll never use that word. No. He says, we're almost friends. That's what he says. <laughs> that's, uh, that's just Cody. I, I'll go out on a limb here and say we were friends. So I don't think people understand like the full scope of props you do. Like one of my favorites was the the trophy for the women's tournament. Very, very clean, classy look. I think the the most visible one is your Sammy cue cards. So Sammy's not that creative and his handwriting's not that good. I just want to put it out there right now. It's all Charlie. Charlie's there to put him over. It looks great. I'm curious, what is the most interesting prop or object you've been told to acquire or make? 
as far as acquisitions, they, they, there's a lot that you haven't seen that I've had to turn down. Ooh. Probably one of the weirdest ones was the, the turkey for the Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> Tony did want a giant egg and a turkey because that was a little bit out of my scope and I had a lot of stuff to do that got delegated to another group of people. And when that didn't uh, get accomplished, I remember Tony sitting there talking to me saying, I was told it just couldn't happen. He says, how on earth could it happen in 1985, but it can't <laughs> happen in 2020 or 2019. I got no clue. Thankfully, I didn't have to stay on that project. That would probably be one of the weirdest things that I have to either make or, or acquire a giant egg and turkey costume for someone to pop out of the egg wearing. Like the gobbledygooker. Yeah, I didn't want to say it, but yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's part of wrestling history, good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the props that you do, and I know wrestling is on many levels, rush to get this done, throw this together now. Yeah. How much of an advance notice do you get in putting together those cue cards because you do the you have the penmanship that does that. You write them up. How does that come to you? I mean, that, that turnaround time quickly sometimes? In some cases, it's been as little as like 30 minutes. Uh, usually it's when the production call happens. Right. So at least I have a couple hours notice, you know, two, three hours notice. And I have enough time to get enough cue cards and start writing everything. Because when it comes to Sammy's, while they're all not home runs, I do have a little notebook. And I sit there and I write all his promos out and I try and get myself in a zone. I usually sit in the uh, little Miller light booth mm -hmm. at the stadium. That's not operational because it's quiet because no one hangs out there. Right. And that's it. I just write them all out. I'm, uh, I'm surprised to hear that you don't do the cue cards in your office, which is the, what, it's like a boiler room inside Jacksonville or inside Daly's place. <laughs> Yeah, I needed uh, just a place to work. And I had asked Jackie, the woman in charge of all of that facility. She's a hardworking woman with a lot of responsibility. And Jackie set me up with this boiler room and a locker room bench and a chair. So I had to hunch over to write down on this on this bench. But uh, that was my spot. I got a cactus <laughs> and I got a mug and I made it look as much as, as I could, like Mick Foley's boiler room back when he was commissioner. And uh that, that was my spot until everybody else realized, wow, this is a nice little spot. And then they started putting all their stuff. And it usually was just me and Darby. That's it. I want to ask a question. Like, we, we've kind of touched on it, but haven't really dove into it too much. But, like, you do so much behind the scenes, and we all appreciate everything you do. But you're getting a lot of camera time, specifically on Sammy's vlog, as this boy band crazy person who went to jail, former champion, like... Your character arc is quite impressive. So <laughs> I'm I'm curious how your involvement with the vlog started and if you can talk at all about kind of your involvement with the vlog behind the scenes. Uh, Sammy would talk to me about the vlog when we were on the road and we were traveling. And there was that instance where he drove a tank to a certain pay-per-view, not ours, and put that on the vlog and got a lot of heat for it. So I pulled him aside and said, that can't happen again. Had a long talk with him, and then I would just have little little bits of involvement as far as just behind the scenes saying, hey, that's probably a good idea. That's not just input. And uh, eventually he needed me for one thing. He says, I, I want to incorporate a fan into this bit, and I want to say that I'm getting heat. And then we wrote out something. It was the open to one of the, the episodes, 
it continued. And then Griff Garrison made a post with me with my curly hair down and just put dad question mark. <laughs> and then everybody from that vlog says, is that guy Griff's dad? Is that who Charlie is? And so then I had to do the whole dad thing. And I just wrote out all these dad bits all the time and taken off Griff. And then it turned into the boy band. Then it just me defecting from the boy band completely. And it's like, how often can I change the character arc here? How often can I go to jail one week? I'm the nicest guy in the world the next. You guys put a lot of time and effort in that too. And I, and I say that because recently, I mean, it was late at night as we always are. And I'm walking out of the building thinking I'm the last person. You guys are still recording. Yes. Common misconceptions. A lot of people think, man, your job must be so much fun. You just get to do that all day. Well, no, not at all. You got to find time to do that. It's usually at the end of the night. You're doing other stuff all day. And then right before everyone goes home. Oh, we should probably film a couple bits for the vlog. Can you take a picture of Fuego's ass? (laughs) Yeah, that one. Thank goodness that one. I would have said that was my weirdest request, by the way. I didn't have to do anything for that bit. I weirdly offered. I was like, oh, I'll take it. And he's like, are, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. It's wrestling. Everyone wrestles in their underwear anyway. Fuck it. It's true. Yeah. We're talking with Charlie, Jack of all trades at AEW, star of Sammy's vlog. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about wrestling and your background. This is AEW Unrestricted. Tony and Aubrey here with Charlie. Well, wonderful, wonderful, positive, weirdly crazy person. <laughs> I think that describes all of us in wrestling, though. Like, we're all very positive, but then we have this, like, crazy side of us. Yes. I think it all just kind of comes out on camera. Anyway, so you had mentioned a little bit about, you know, getting in contact with Cody and all this sort of stuff. But when did you discover wrestling? Single digits. I remember at nine going uh, to school for career day saying, I'm, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. I dressed up in best clothes I had and, and portrayed the role of Ric Flair because he was always dressed so nicely. And I had a microphone made of tinfoil and I got in a lot of trouble because we weren't the richest family. And I wasted that tinfoil. So my mom was very angry with me, but it was worth it because I wanted the world to know, yes, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. Making props at nine years old. Right. One of your favorites growing up, obviously, was Ric Flair. Any other favorites? Absolutely. Uh, Macho Man, Jake the Snake. Uh, Jake the Snake probably being one of the most influential. Uh, so to be able to work with him now, it's, it's absolutely amazing. I did a promo for Sammy a while back going into Blood and Guts, and I wanted it to be as dark as possible. Sammy went through it, and I'm trying to tell him, look mean, look mean, which his mean doesn't look very mean. And Jake's sitting there reading it. And it was such a compliment to me to have Jake just look over and say, hey, you got some problems. You messed up. And I was like, that's great. Thank you so much. <laughs> wow, what an honor. <laughs> if I can get that guy to pop, I accomplished a lot. So you trained to become a wrestler, right? You had, you, yeah. How much ring time have you had? Actual matches, not much. Most of which were spent in the later years. So QT and I did a lot of stuff in Georgia. Right. Nothing amazing. I didn't I didn't win any awards. But in the early days, it was a lot of the small companies in Florida when I was 15, 16 years old. And these guests would come in, Sandman, any any ECW guys that did extra stuff that came in. I always wanted to see them. I always wanted to be part of that. So the idea at 15 was if I could get thrown into barbed wire, if I can get hit in the head with stuff, I'm golden. 
that's what's going to get me in. Mick was getting big in WWE and then DCW was taking off. So yeah, throw me off a building, hit me with cars, all that stuff. We're, we're golden. I don't need to learn how to wrestle. I just need to learn how to do that. So I want to touch on your uh, background as an artist, because a lot of the things you make are very beautiful and very visually stunning and what whether it's you know handwriting whether it's uh actual artwork i know i handed you the little paddle we had for abaddon at the fan fest i'm like hey can you make this cool like i don't know what to do and it was all bloody and shit it was great do you have an art background or are you just a naturally artistic person i I failed at every attempt to get an education in art i just i never liked doing the lessons. I never like being told what to do, the structure. To me, art's an expression. You either got it or you don't. And it doesn't you don't have to be the most photorealistic painter or illustrator. It's just an expression of your feelings and who you are. If you can compile that in a way that the world can understand it or at least interpret it to a certain extent, then you've done a great job. And I look at people like Darby, for instance, when it comes to drawing is not the greatest artist, but what he does in the ring is pure art. Or film. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And so him and I talk about art a lot. But as far as my background, a lot of commission pieces growing up. I did photorealism for people. So portraits, sketches, that type of stuff. I hate that. It paid the bills every now and then. But in adulthood here, my house is filled with just my art. And AEW has been the most amazing way to incorporate two things. I love both art and wrestling and, and get across that feeling that what it means to me. So Sting, Darby, there's something that a lot of people don't know. And that's canvas in that match uh i went to qt school i put a canvas on a ring and i went there and just started spray painting and what i spray painted in the middle was a large circle one half being sting's face the other half being darby's and then four stitch marks at 90 degrees or just you could say lines going across but what i wanted to do is emulate the old wcw the blue and yellow ring that had the circle with the lines the little crosshairs and I wanted just to kind of darbify it and modernize it. So this way, it brought together the WCW with Sting and the modern era with, with Darby. We're talking with uh, Charlie Ramone, and we're talking about props and art and design and his background. And Charlie, you've uh, some of the big events that we tape, like the cinematic matches, obviously you're involved in. You're involved with, I guess, going out with uh, the uh, the inner circle to Las Vegas, involved in that. But you're also very involved in the stadium stampede, which ends up being a very, very long day for everybody, production included and you included. Talk about your involvement in, in, in stadium stampede. If, if I had to really give a uh, proper share of credit for stadium stampede, I would say Chris Dispenza and Jess Palumbo. Yeah. The three of us, I wouldn't be able to succeed at all if it weren't for those two. Uh, Chris Dispenza being the guy who essentially builds so much of our stuff. Our stage came from Chris Dispenza and Mm -hmm. a lot of the the larger props. If you see somebody go through a case or anything like that, that's Chris Dispenza, an extension to the stage. That's Chris Dispenza. Jess does an amazing job at getting talent to tell a story in a video the right way. And she has such good experience doing that. So when I work with those two stadium stampede, working with Chris, working with all these large characters sometimes can be tough and to to kind of corral them and get them to do what they're supposed to be doing. It's not that easy. So that's, that's where I got to come in. And thankfully Chris and I have a very good relationship. I'm able to 
shoot facts to Chris and he's like, oh, well, we're behind him. We're cost, it's costing us tens of thousands of dollars. Let's wrap it up. Otherwise, Stadium Stampede from start to finish was kind of done on the fly. There's a very, very, very loose template to it. And when you're working with those stunt coordinators, they're coming up with everything on the fly. They're looking at their surrounding and saying, yes, you could hit this. You could use that. A bunch of guys throw them into there. So a lot of it was written without advance notice. So that means if we do that again, we definitely have to have a good game plan going in so it doesn't become a day and a half endeavor and we can knock that out. I remember distinctly you and I standing on the football field at 2 a.m. in the morning going, how do we improve this next time? <laughs> yes, you're absolutely correct. Yes, <laughs> which was an improvement from the year before. So we're, we're, we're on the right track. We're on the right track. It, it took a little bit longer, but I feel like this match was more grandiose in scale and the transition to live as well was super great and absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Is there a particular part of Stadium Stampede that you like the most? I actually have two. And one was the fact that they wanted to, the Inner Circle wanted to repel from helicopters. So my favorite part of the opening is that that didn't happen because that scared the heck out of me, the liability with that. I didn't want to deal with any of that. Chris made the request and I tried my hardest to facilitate that and it just didn't come to fruition, which thank goodness. So that's actually one of my favorite parts is that that didn't happen. <laughs> but I would say that live portion of it to go up there, to be working security and making sure everything went smoothly to watch them in such a, a close setting and to listen to those fans. I could hear every single one of them behind me and you're hearing comments like, this is crazy. I can't believe this is happening. And this was their first time back so many people and it was a packed house that was one of those moments that i'll never forget that was a really cool moment just to just see it all come out i know the boys wanted to work their their asses off and put on a hell of a show and i could hear the results of it right behind me it was it was great it's great to watch i was proud of everybody awesome match uh we're talking with charlie remote Char- charlie tell us a story about having to go buy the mask for anna jay for her debut well that didn't go well <laughs> uh so first off I don't know why Anna Jay is a beautiful person both inside and out. She's such a sweet human being. Don't put a mask on Anna Jay. Right. Literally everyone said the same thing. Like, she's the prettiest one here. Why are we covering her face? I get this mask and I'm, I'm talking to her and, and I, I paint it black and I'm bedazzling this, which is now something that I'm proficient in. I never was fired to AEW. I'm bedazzling this mask. I hand it to her. She sounds so lovely. She goes out there to wear it, and Tony instantly is like, who the hell decided to put a mask on this? <laughs> I think everybody came to that realization at the same time. It's like, wait, what are we doing? There we go. So the mask got tossed aside, uh, never to be seen again. That was one prop I didn't select. But now you're a proficient bedazzler. So. Yeah, Anna Jay really helped me in the long run. <laughs> uh, Charlie, have you kept that mask? That mask I have not seen. I keep generally a lot of the props. I don't know where that mask went. Because it was in such haste, I tossed it aside. Hmm. So it's a possibility someone else picked it up and put it in the props truck in my bin. I hardly ever go in there. So hopefully it's there. I know all this is property of AEW, Mm -hmm. but there are crazy collectors out there. Yes, there are. I've already had offers for some of my stuff that I've done. And I, A, it's property of AEW, and B, I would never let some of this stuff go. The the giant card with Brody and Mox. Oh. I'll put that on my back and carry it to wherever we have to display it. It doesn't bother me. Uh, I just want to make sure that stays with me because that's one of my favorite pieces. And so, yeah, we, uh, that was the next question about your favorite props. Yeah, 
That, that's got to be one of them. Sorry, I ruined it. Yes, uh, that was. It's <laughs> a good segue. Yeah, that was absolutely hands down my favorite prop. It was one where uh, so everybody's had some type of interaction with Brody Lee right. within this company, and it's generally positive. Brody, when we took that break for COVID, I had drawn up some ideas for some giant playing cards to be on the stage for Double or Nothing. I showed it to Cody. Cody says, I, I approve. Send it to the Bucks. They approve. And I got to work sketching the cards. And I wanted just the main event to be on those cards. And uh, when I finished that, Brody says, why the heck did you do this for me? Because you're in the main event. That's a good guy. He liked that a lot. He went to Tony and had a meeting. He said he came out. He's like, I just told Tony, either they give you a raise or you're out of here. Oh. <laughs> Not, I don't want to leave. I'm happy where I'm at. <laughs> he says, somebody's going to snatch you up. Would have never happened. I love where I'm at. I'm so happy. But it, it meant a lot to me that he, he valued me that much and, and went out and spoke to Tony on my behalf. He didn't have to do that. He risks his reputation by doing that. And I, th I thought that was incredible. And then I didn't have any shirts done at that point. I'd never drawn a shirt. And he sent me a text message with the ad from a shop AEW with that shirt on it, the card. And he says, congrats, bud. You made it. You got a shirt. So that guy did a lot for me. And I'll always remember that. So that prop that can never go anywhere. Great story. I love that you got a Brody story out of it, too. Just absolutely incredible. But, I mean, he's not wrong. Like, you do an incredible job of making all of us look good. And you do it in a very selfless way because you're not always going to get the credit that you deserve for some of these things that you make and some of these story elements that you help us build. So, I, I love you so much. I'm, like, stumbling over my words. But I'm like, yeah! <laughs> no, it, 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 you guys are all, every single one of you who are seen and heard I love being a part of it. And to me, I don't need the credit. I get to watch it and I'm proud of the, the end product. I'm sure as we go on, there's people that I'm not necessarily going to see eye to eye with, but I'm still going to go out there and say, hey, look, I still want this person to look good because if they look good, the product looks good. And I'm always proud to say that I work for AEW. I never want that to go away. We are talking to Charlie Ramon. And when we continue, we will have him answer a few fan questions. Uh-oh. AEW Unrestricted, Tony and Aubrey here with uh, Special Projects Coordinator and Proficient Bedazzler, Charlie. We got, <laughs> you should add that to your title. I, it's going to go in there now. Proficient Bedazzler. Proficient, I think, is the key word. It's not expert Bedazzler, but proficient. <laughs> Look, I can get the job done. We got a lot of fan questions out on Twitter. I'm sure lots of people are excited to learn more about you. Toru Yano fan account. How much pride do you take in being the people's champion on the vlog? And is the door still open for Kathy Kelly if she comes calling or have you moved on? I knew this crap would come. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a styrofoam belt, but I go to these signings with, with Darby and Sammy. I'm very good friends with them. I, I do stuff with Cody, especially when he does meet and greet. And when people walk up and they want to say hello, it means the world to me because I've been in their shoes. If I can be a, a, a connection between them and Cody or them and Sammy and them and Darby, then so be it. I'll facilitate that role all day. I love it. And Kathy Kelly, I don't know. I think that ship has sailed. Okay. 
Well, that goes to our next question. Brian wanted to know how has being on Sammy's vlog impacted your life? And I think you've kind of answered part of that, but you can expand on it if you want. Absolutely. Uh, it's a little surreal. People recognize you, especially at the events. But uh, I'll go to the gym and people come up and say, hey, you're doing a great job. They don't even watch AEW. They just know Sammy's vlog because certain people reposting it, certain people putting it in their stories or go watch my friend Charlie. And the fact that I can write it, the fact that I, I, it's me acting it, it's, it's awesome to hear people come up and say, oh, I'm proud of you. Oh, that was funny. Great job. That nice expression against the artist and me coming out and saying, all right, good. I, I can act a little bit and people actually enjoy it. Question from Aubrey Edwards on Twitter. Uh, I'm curious if you're going to end up selling your own merch. <laughs> if there's this request for it. Yes, it's, it's happening. I'm drawing <laughs> stuff up now. This trip has been very busy keeping up with Darby. But once I get home, I'm going to start kind of, I've just been rough idea after rough idea. I'm going to start sketching a lot more stuff out. It's coming. Charlie Merch, you got a f- number one buyer here. I'm definitely on board. Oh, awesome. <laughs> uh, at Javier Pet on Twitter wants to know, Charlie, how does it feel signing 8x10s now that you're a major star on BTE Dark? Okay, this guy is being a pain in the ass. It's the Sammy <laughs> vlog. It's not BT Dark. BT Dark. I don't. I don't sign eight by tens. Anyone who knows me knows I sign posters. Okay, that's all I sign. I don't know why they keep calling it BT Dark because you guys are winning the ratings wars. So, Oof, not last week. Uh, we've been around before. I think what was it like the week that Sammy Vlog got more views than BTE? All of the Dark Order guys were like, "Well, that's because we weren't on it." Like, yes, yes. <laughs> Everyone feels. Very protective of their spot on the vlog. Yes. And Alan Angel somehow being the guy that goes between both of them. But Yes. Maskless Alan on ours. Mask up Alan over there. I love it. Question from MJF Scarf on Twitter. That's right. MJF Scarf has its own Twitter account. <laughs> hmm. How proud of you of your son, Griff Garrison? I love my son. I tell him all the time. He doesn't respond. I know he loves me. And that's all that matters. I'm proud of him. I'm very proud of him. He goes out there and he does tag team thing. He's, he's got his little buddy Brian with him. I'm proud of him. They got Julia. They're killing it. He's going to grow up to be a great man someday. I just can't wait to see that happen. I love when parents are proud of their kids. Yes. Yes. So speaking of which, yes, you should be proud. You've got great kids. Yeah. <laughs> We're not expanding on that, huh? <laughs> got a great daughter. Okay. Okay. You know, I, I do. Thank you. Thank yes. you. I do, I do yes. have great kids. I know you know a number of them. Uh, Katron G-Bot. This is from Katron G-Bot. Wants to know, how much convincing did it take you to, first of all, be on Sammy's vlog when it started? None. None. Sammy's a good kid. I'd do anything to, to help him out. So I, I let Lance Archer throw me through glass. I'll go on Sammy's vlog. Totally fine. That's actually like break from the from the Twitter questions. That's something I want to touch on. Uh, you've had a couple on screen cameos on uh, AEW. Any in particular? I mean, you get thrown through glass. You've worn a Dark Order mask. I think you've been in, involved in a lot of the Britt Baker stuff. Like, how do you enjoy the role of being on TV? Like, like how does that all happen? When it's like, hey, we just need somebody. Let's have Charlie do it. How does that work? That was one of my favorites. Lance uh, in Norcross asked to start beating up an extra on the way out every time. And that's just what he does. So he's just going to beat you up one day. 
And I said, yeah, if you throw me through glass. Otherwise, no, you're not beating me up. So we waited enough time. And he comes out and he says, hey, uh, I talked to production. I got to throw somebody through glass. I was like, shit, I guess it's my time, isn't it? <laughs> he says, yeah. So I geared up, was ready. And he threw me through that glass. And the spotlight cut right as I went through that glass. So you barely see the figure of a human being going through that glass. And I don't realize it because there was a sheet that they couldn't remove that held that glass together. And they said, you might just have to run through it. So I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to sprint. And Lance says, I'll, I'll tap your shoulder and just go. And I do. I sprint, look through that thing. Big piece gets stuck in my head. Wow. Because I just ran so fast through it. It's meant to just break away. But uh, I go through there. I flip. And the greatest thing, I just see Jake as I'm bleeding on stage. I can already feel the blood coming down. I look up. And here's Jake the Snake standing over him. He's, he's shouldn't have messed with my boy. And then just steps over me <laughs> and then proceeds to go to the ring. And that was worth it. That, that part was cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll suffer the humiliation. Uh, we were talking with, with, with Charlie Ramon, who is not only we found out a bedazzler, a props guy, a great guy making sure you got your monsters, your energy drinks. We now found out he's a great stuntman, too, as well. <laughs> Careless and reckless, yeah. Former, former police officer, I think former uh, substitute teacher at one time. Yeah. Which, you have, you have my props for that, man. <laughs> I'm not going to deal with anybody else's kids. No, sir. Congratulations <laughs> for that. So, what is the best thing about working in AEW, wants to know, anxious cowboy on Twitter? I don't feel like I work. Darby and I had this talk last night. We were, we were out somewhere. and I just looked at him and I said, you're technically working. He says, no, I'm not. We don't work. We never work. It's a good point. So we love what we do. I don't feel as if I, I've worked a day in this two years plus. It's, it's all just been such a great ride. You leave home where you're with your friends. You go on the road with even more. So that's the best part is just the whole experience in itself. I love it. It feels like every day you're just playing. So Be sad on Twitter for Charlie. He says, my champion. Who are your top three painters or artists? Uh, Keith Haring has always been number one. I loved him growing up with the AIDS epidemic and everything in the, in the late 80s. Keith Haring was very outspoken about it. He was one of the few people that got mainstream success doing so. I love Keith Haring. Gosh, there's really nobody else that I look to. I don't, I don't specifically isolate any other uh, artist. I'll say this. Giger is, is another one. H.R. Giger. And then... Um, Bacon, German artist, very messed up. If you have the ability to go look him up, it's, it's some of the most sick and twisted things you've ever seen. But there was also a Renaissance artist. I don't know why the name escapes me because I had to do a huge thing on him in college. But he made a living doing portraits for very successful people. But if there was a woman who would say, make me look trim, make me look beautiful, make me look whatever, he would find a way to make fun of her in the background. Somebody like aristocratic people. If there was a woman who says, make me look slim, he would make sure that outside the window, there'd be a cow pasture. He found these ways to sneak things in, in a time where that type of humor didn't really exist. So I always like stuff like that. That's cool. And that's a great answer. Uh, Jess, this is at Jess. I, I don't think it's Jess Palumbo, oh. but it could be. Uh, Jess wants to know, when are you making a cameo account? This is what we need. 
Sammy's got me working on that now too. I, I did not know there would be a demand for this. Yes, soon. That's coming. As they say, buddy, mailbox money. Yep, you're you're, you're absolutely correct. Don't walk away from it. Absolutely. Nope. <laughs> Speaking of cameo accounts, make sure you actually follow Charlie on his current social media platforms. CS Ramon on Instagram. I believe you're on Twitter as well. Your your glorious curly mane is a uh, seen on social media. Yes. <laughs> The tw- so the Twitter account, interesting story with that one is Cody set that up for me. He took my phone at a very early date on the road when we first started. And he says, you need a Twitter. And he set me up a Twitter. And I have really never used that thing. Um, he, being the one who set it up, used to go on and make posts for me. And they were never good. So, like, <laughs> they were always getting wrestlers' names wrong and making me look like an idiot. But. That was supposed to be to encourage me to use it. And I still, I just maybe put a picture on there every now and then. So the best way is Instagram. That's the best thing to follow. Oh, one final question from Matt Tony 20, at Tony Schiavone 24. Uh, what is Tony Schiavone's favorite brand or flavor of Monster? Fiesta Monster. Ultra Fiesta. Yes. You're the man, Charlie. That's a- <laughs> I know you too well. Yeah, man. I drink too many of them. Yeah, same here. We got a problem. I know. Listen, backstage, the monsters and the bangs that are consumed. Woo. Yeah, it's bad. AEW is run on caffeine. Yes, it is. Big time. Once again, Instagram at CS Ramon. CS Ramon. Follow Charlie there. And be sure to listen to our AEW Unrestricted podcast. How much does it cost, Aubrey? It's free, F-R-E-E, free. You can get it every Thursday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review. And if you prefer to consume your podcast with your eyeballs, we've got video versions of the podcast that go up on YouTube Monday mornings. Just search AEW Unrestricted and you can find us there. Look at Charlie's beautiful face. That's right. Thank you. Yes, we got Elevation coming your way on YouTube on Monday nights. We have Dark on Tuesday nights. Wednesdays, we're on TNT, and that is Dynamite, 8 o'clock, 7 central, when the NBA is not bumping us around. And soon to come, AEW Rampage. And that means Charlie got a lot more work to do. That's okay. I'm excited. And there's also the BTE and Sammy Vlogs, Monday and Tuesday, respectively. All right, very good. Vlog Wars, man. They're full effects. Charlie Ramon, thank you again, buddy. It's always good talking to you. You do a great work. Thank you. This was great. Thank you very much. And my name is Tony Schiavone. My name is Aubrey Edwards. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Come on, throw your hands up. Let me see you. Unrestricted.